Hey you, welcome back to another episode of Sierra Unraveled. I hope you're doing well and please forgive me for my publishing schedule because it's kind of all over the place. Um, but when you're raising a toddler and you've just got over COVID and been traveling for the last couple of weeks and quit your 40th job, yeah, we'll talk about that another time. But um, yeah, I've just been all over the place. So still trying to give you content. I do have guests still lining up for this season. So please stay tuned. And today's guest is recording all the way from Mexico. We did run into a little bit of technical difficulty. So I just wanted to apologize for that ahead of time. But the content is really good. So turn up the volume and get ready to take some notes. You are now listening to the Sierra Unraveled podcast. This space was created to inspire, to encourage, and to connect all those who have gone through life and managed to stay sane. I mix my own personal drama, (laughs) I mean trauma, mental health, motherhood, domestic violence awareness, spirituality, and a whole lot of Sierra Unraveled. I'm so glad you're here. All right, Leanne, welcome to Sierra Unraveled. I'm really grateful to have you today. And um, we're going to talk about narcissistic abuse and self-love and just a whole bunch of things today, I'm sure. And if I'm correct, today is your free anniversary, right? Yeah. (laughs) I just made that up. It's probably not that great, but... (laughs) No, I love it actually. I might have to, I might have to coin that one. Yes, please do. So that's a coincidence. I didn't even realize that until today. I was like doing some creeping, you know, because that's part of my job. <laughs> and I saw that and I was like, wow, what a blessing. I get to have you on my show today to talk about your journey. Yeah, and I'm happy to share it. Yeah, so um really glad to have you. So this is probably not how your life you thought it would turn out that you would go into coaching and Um, stepping away from really strong relationships. So can you kind of explain where you are in your journey now and kind of what brought you to the turning point of you embracing who you really are? Yeah, um, I definitely didn't think I was going to be a coach, but I did want to always help people in some shape or form. So I always wanted to be um, working with children, actually. So I wanted to be a teacher or working in the classroom And I always aimed for teaching assistant because I found that as a teacher, you've got so many responsibilities that you don't always have the time to kind of sit down and get to know the kids. So I always wanted to be kind of the assistant because you get to sit down and and help the kids when they need it. And it's a bit more hands on. So, yeah, that was that was where I wanted to be. Um, So I'm still in still in the business of helping people. Um, But I think along the way, um, seeing the relationship that I had with my mum and the negative impact that it had on me, I think as I um, wanted to work for myself and having my own children, um, I ended up doing a course which led me to the coaching. So, yeah, that's the quick version. I'm sorry. That's the quick version. That's the quick version. (laughs) And you have kids, plural. How many do you have? I have two. I have one adult. She's 18. What? Uh, yeah, one, 18, and my son is six. So you're like a mommy expert then. 
Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, at least you'll, you're an expert for number two. Yeah, um, I mean, having, having the gap, the big gap, um, I don't know if it's coincidence, but there's 12 years between myself and my sister also. So I think it's the magic, the magic number. Yeah. Um, but it definitely helped me to see the difference in my parenting between the two. And also, um, obviously, starting my healing journey, I'd already had my daughter. So it's been about three and a half years um, that I kind of started working on myself and doing the deep work so she was already 15 by then um and then having a, another child I knew I didn't want to do things in the same way and I knew I didn't want them to have the childhood that I had do you think there's been different parenting techniques like have you parented them completely differently or are you just like evolving off of how you parented your daughter and then kind of like changed it as you went along with your son um, with my first, there was a lot that I took on board from my mum, which wasn't healthy. A lot of it was really negative. Um, she was quite abusive um, and she's very explosive. So you could just, either, you could do something which someone would say is normal child behaviour, like asking a question or maybe dropping something on the floor and she would be really reactive to it. Um, so screaming and shouting and losing your temper is something I've, I've never liked. Um, but it was kind of the path I started going down with my first child because I didn't know any different. Mm-hmm. Um, and being 18 myself when I had her, mm-hmm. there wasn't really a lot of help or a lot of guidance for young mums. So um, I could feel it come in and obviously there was a lot of stress and I used to shout quite a lot. But... I'd feel guilty afterwards, but I didn't know how to deal with that. Um, so obviously I was 30 when I had my son. So it was quite a, a big gap. And I think by then I was able to like seek help and ask questions. Um, and then kind of after having him was when I came across kind of like self-help and things like that. So, yeah. Hmm, that's so interesting. Um when did you are you no contact with your mother now I am at the moment yes um did she help raise your daughter with you she had an input um I left home at 16 mm-hmm. um so I've always I've had contact with her and she has been in my daughter's life so she she knows grandma um and I didn't know how to protect her I suppose from the abuse that I went through so on the surface she would be you know loving grandma like take her out and do things but then behind it there would be the the negative things like um she would buy her new clothes when she had clothes and then like say to people oh look you know I've had to go and clothe my granddaughter so it's not things that my daughter would directly pick up on mm-hmm. but she would still kind of use her to to get at me and I didn't know how to how to get away from that mm-hmm. so she was in she was involved but um I lived two hours away so I was I wasn't really around it would be when she looked after her or had her for the weekend um and I think just in the last three to four years um like working on myself understanding about um obviously self-love and getting my own coach um 
I think it gave me the courage to be able to say like I don't want this involved in my children's lives anymore mm-hmm. yeah so is your son have a relationship with her or not really not really he knows who she is yeah um but I wouldn't say he's got a relationship so he's no contact really but my daughter has now made the choice to still have contact with my mom which is fine yeah it's hard sometimes what was your um process of because as a mom myself my mom and I are really close um but we've had some things come up in the last couple of years and according to some people I probably shouldn't have a relationship with her but I haven't made the decision to go no contact because I don't know I just don't think I'm ready yet if I can even do it but what was that um process like for you because when you're a mom and you've never gone through it before specifically with your firstborn you are like looking for that mothering relationship and you automatically replicate it because that's all you know but you also are learning that it's wrong so it's like how were you even able to step away like that's so courageous of you um it, it was hard and I think there was a little bit of a automatic um like you just go on autopilot like you know you know that something's wrong and um even though I would snap and lose my temper there was that difference so like we had a bond um which my mom didn't really like seeing and and the difference that I noticed was that when I would shout she would cling to my legs so she'd be this little tiny thing just like clinging to me and I never really understood that because I would run and you know hide from my mom um so that used to always get me thinking like why is she like she, I know she wants you know love and she wants hugs and cuddles but it was something that I found really hard to to take on board so we've always we've always had that bond and I think me spending time with her um even though I found it difficult to show affection um like we'd go out we would um have day trips um and actually traveling has been a big part of that. We first started traveling when she was free. And ever since then, that's kind of been our little thing. Like once a year, we'd have like at least one trip that we would do. And I think that that time away from home, school, stress, family, negative relationships kind of gave us time to just be me and her. So I think that's helped a lot. Um, and it's something that I continue now, even with my little one, because we are away at the moment, um, world schooling. So, yeah, I think having that thing that's just ours has really helped us to bond. Yeah, um, your relationship with your daughter has gotten a lot stronger since you've gone no contact from your mother. It has, yes. Um, it actually came to a head because she tried to get my children taken from me. And I have I've spoken openly um, about it in my business, but having having someone who's meant to be caring for you and is meant to be your support try and have your your children taken from you, it was like how can you do that? And I think that for me was what made me go no contact because if they were taken, they would go to a stranger. They wouldn't automatically go to her. Right. Um, and then we haven't got a massive family either. So it's, we haven't got loads of people that could like step in or would want to help. So the idea that my children could possibly be out there in the world with, you know, someone that I don't know, 
or something that made me snap and think this this can't continue and um so I went, I went no contact and decided I was going to focus on just me and the children and building our family bond mm-hmm. um and building our relationships so yeah I love that for you. I'm so proud of you because it's not an easy thing to do like at all. I myself, I lived three hours away from any of my family, not by choice. Um, I left my abusive relationship with my daughter's father um, and then he took us to court so we would have to move back. So I co-parent with him. So like, um, it's not ideal to have a relationship with him but I have to for her sake at this time. But um are you open with your daughter about like you guys' relationship together? Like you and your, um, like everything that's happened with your mother and how you've gotten to this point, like she's 18 now. So she, I'm sure understands a lot more. Obviously your son is still like, he's just a baby, but you know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I've been quite open and I've tried to always keep it um, age appropriate. So I think that has helped. Um, like you're not expecting her to understand like adult conversations but if it affects her or if it is something that involves her then I would talk to her about it so she could have a little bit of understanding um I think also like her her dad was in and out as well and I, and I found that I took that really hard and that affected how I bonded with my daughter because it was like another relationship that was not going very well Mm -hmm. Um, and then obviously my reactions were similar to what my mum displayed which didn't help our communication and then that obviously affected her um so I think in the last maybe yeah the last three to four years it's kind of all happened around the same time I kind of um came face to face with him in a meeting and I just thought I've changed and I've grown since I met him I was 16 Mm -hmm. And he's still the same 18 year old boy, you know, Mm -hmm. but he's 30 something now. And it just, and it hit me. It's like, if I can kind of uh, remove myself from my mum and the negative impact that that's having, and I only want to concentrate on me and my children, that that also involves him. Like we can, we can be good parents without having, well, one having to be together. Um, Yeah. But if he doesn't want to do that, I can't, I can't make him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was probably where I went wrong. So like trying to get my mum's approval, trying to get affection from her and her not giving it then left me disappointed. Um, and that carried over into my relationships with friends, with men um, and my children. So um, I think that realisation of just focusing on myself first so that I could be in a good um mental position yeah. so you know struggling with mental health um and depression and taking care of that was like really important to me because if I'm not in a good place then I can't be a good mom so yeah and being a mom is so hard and like nobody I mean we talk about it but like people really don't understand especially like being a single parent which is hard for me to kind of explain because I'm like I'm I co-parent but I'm still single like I'm not remarried I don't have like a partner that helps me raise my daughter like it's literally just me and her when we're together but when you don't um realize your relationships with the people your core people in your life where 
it's like your children's parents or your parents, like it trickles into other places in your life and you'll never really get to the place where you're supposed to be if you don't kind of mend or cut off those negative interactions that you might have with them. Yeah, I think it did really started to show in areas of my life, which I wasn't aware of. So at the time it's happening, sometimes you don't really see it. It's when you take that step back or when you decide you're going to really focus on it to kind of heal, then that's when um, you kind of start seeing things. So I've always been quite self-aware of of me and how I deal with things. Um, And that hasn't always been positive. I think it actually stopped me from getting help from my depression because the doctors were like, well, you understand, you know, you're very self-aware, you know how it's affecting you. So I was kind of left to deal with it on my own, Mm -hmm. um, which was really, really hard because then it affected my parenting, which, and I turned to my mum for help, but didn't get it. Right. So it kind of left me in this cycle of trying to move forward and trying to better myself. And then being held back by all those, you know, the blocks and obviously not having support from my mum for, yeah. you know, even like going to work, going um, to university, studying, trying to better myself. There was always something blocking. And when I looked back, I was like, my mum was always involved in most of the times when I gave up um, or just when I just lost kind of sight of what I was doing. So that was quite um, important for me to understand that and to move past that as well and to start kind of building on my self-confidence and believing in myself rather than relying on her to come and help me. Yeah. 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 And it's hard because it's like your parents are there to raise you and you think that they have your best interests at heart. And for me, like it comes down to like them not dealing with their own problems and them portraying them on you. And then it just keeps on repeating and you're like eventually you have to break it and look at yourself and nobody wants to look at themselves it's a really hard thing to do that's why people don't do it but you have to if you want to do something different that's been done in the past you know what I mean yeah and I think I I was in that situation so I knew something was wrong and I wanted to deal with it but then looking at it and dealing with it was really hard because it's like you had to be I had to be really honest about the things that I was struggling with um and on some occasions when I've done that it hasn't it hasn't always worked out but I think looking looking at my children and where things were going um home educating was a a big factor in starting to build those bonds um because you're away from your kids for six hours a day or just over six hours a day. And I've just thought she's becoming an adult. And if I don't deal with this now, I mean, you can fix things in the future, but I just thought I don't want to wait until she's my age. And then she's saying these things about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thought of that, I think, just terrified me of having my children think negative things about me. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, working on myself, being honest with my daughter. Um, we actually got therapy together. So she went to a child therapist and I went for counselling for my depression. Um, and then we did some together. Mm-hmm. So we did some sessions together and that really helped because it was hard to hear her, you know, say things about me, like I don't listen or, you know, 
of it will look like I'm listening, but really I'm not. And then mm. I do the opposite. Um, because in my head, it's I'm your mom, do as you're told. Right. That's how I was raised. Right. <laughs> when children do as they're told, you should be seen um, and not heard. So like all those things I had to kind of overcome and and to hear her say, like, you don't, you don't listen to me. It's like I do, but I do, I didn't. I didn't. Um so yeah, it was very difficult, but it, it really helped. It helped us to connect. Um and we're still working on it. But I think now she's she's an adult and at 18, she's actually said to me that she kind of understands like the stress of life and she's going to work and um or she's at home while we're traveling and she's having to take care of the house. So it's like she's starting to see a little bit of you know some of the responsibilities that come with you know having a child and having a house and having a job. So yeah. and if, if you didn't take the steps to heal yourself, do you think that your relationship with her would be as as strong as it is now? No, no, I think I, it would always be different to what I had. Um, but I think it would have got, it would have gone sideways. Um, I think we just we argued a lot and as she got older and started to learn about herself and mm-hmm. going through changes. Um, you know, starting to get a mind of her own, that can be quite difficult because they're no longer a child. Like, I mean, she still needs me, but it's in a different way. When they're little, they depend completely on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think not not having this little person, like, need me anymore was actually quite difficult. I didn't realise, like, how strong our bond actually was until she started to kind of like went to go out and have her own social life and things like that and it's like oh you don't want to stay at home anymore <laughs> <laughs> and it's the opposite of what I had like um and I try not to use that as well like she understands because my mum has spoken a little bit about our childhood like I couldn't go out I didn't really have any friends um anything that I started like piano class or any clubs were always stopped so I've always tried to give her a little bit of freedom, but to still put boundaries in place because I am still her mum. Yes. Um, and I think it's it's worked. So I am doing the same second time round. Um, but because I'm in a different place, it's coming, you know, the stress and the shouting and the losing the temper doesn't happen as often as it did before. And when I do get stressed, I know how to deal with it now. So it's, it's, yeah, it's very different. Yeah, please share for other single moms. Please share how you calm yourself down when you're angry. (laughs) Um, I think for me, I've worked, um, well, I'd like to say I meditate because a lot of people meditate and I do it, but I don't do it regularly. Mm. But I think I've just learned to understand my own body. So if I feel um, like I'm getting angry, I'll get tense or I'll get hot and sweaty. So like knowing those signals allows me to be able to say, I need I need a break or, you know, you go in another room and come back. So with my little one, he will go off and sit by himself for five minutes. And when he's ready, he'll come back and then come and talk to me and say, oh, I thought about my behaviour now because it stops me from losing my temper mm. and I want him to understand what he's doing rather than me just telling him off yeah um, so, so that seems to work for us 
at the moment, you know. Um, or sometimes I'll just say, mummy needs a bit of space. Can you come back in a minute? Yeah. But he might not like it, but I think they understand that it's better that we have our space than we end up shouting at each other. Yes, I agree. So for people who, um, well, first, can we define, do you consider your mom a narcissist? I do. I do. Can you define what that means to you? Like, what's your definition? Um, For me, I think it's um, when somebody is putting someone else down to make themselves feel better but it's the consistency of it. So if someone, I mean, we're all humans and we all have narcissistic traits. So that's what I found from research that, you know, like you mentioned, nobody really wants to look at their own faults. Um, you know, if you upset someone, sometimes it can be quite hard to, to admit that you've done something wrong. But it's if you do it like every day and it's a consistent thing that you do, like putting others down to make yourself feel better, making yourself the center of attention, um, not having empathy for anybody else but yourself, um, then to me that's classed as narcissistic because it's a regular treatment of someone. It's not just a one-off. Um, and also not being able to admit as well, like not being able to admit um, your own faults because they think that what they're doing is fine, which is why they continue to do it. Um, and that's what I have found that even after 36 years of, you know, being alive, if I actually mention to my mum my childhood, straight away the barriers go up. It's, you know, I might not have been perfect, but no one's perfect. It's very kind of dismissive mm-hmm. of what happens. Like, how long are you going to hold on to that for? Rather than actually taking responsibility for the actions that she's done and us being able to talk about that and move forward from it. Um, so yeah, for me, it's the continuous mistreatment of others. Hmm. Um, so for people who are dealing with a narcissistic parent or partner, um, how have you found your self-worth and strength um, just through this whole process? Because that by itself is a lot and it takes time it doesn't happen overnight like I myself have only been on this self-healing journey for like a year and a half and I feel like it's never going to be over (laughs) well I will be honest with you I don't think it ever it doesn't it doesn't end it just changes Mm -hmm. and I think that's that's the defining moment for me like realizing that when I first kind of went to counselling it was because I wanted to just fix it you know I thought I would go have my sessions and I'd be okay um and actually it didn't it didn't work like that it was like um I think realizing um how you deal with things and only focusing on your reactions because if you can't stop someone else from behaving in a certain way um all you can do is change how you deal with things and how you react and how you respond um so for me I try to be responsive rather than reactive and take the time to think about if something's stressing me or upsetting me what is it about that that's getting to me um and then how am I going to deal with that 
So do I need to take myself away from the situation and walk away? Do I actually need to open my mouth and say something and say, I don't like what you're doing? Um, do I need to cut that person out of my life? So it's, I think it's looking at my own actions and looking at what serves me best in that situation um, has been probably like the define underlying things that have come up since starting to heal myself. Yeah, and now you're just helping others, as many people as possible do the same thing. Like um, off the top of your head, if someone has just gotten no contact, what are three things you recommend for them? Um, I would say to have um, a safe space that so someone else that they can vent to, but who is not involved when it's someone who's attached. So if it's like a family member, I mean, sometimes it can be a family member, but I think it clouds the advice that they give you. Mm. And sometimes they want to they want to help you when sometimes all you need is just someone who can listen um, rather than give you advice. So have a safe space, whether it's a friend, a therapist, um, counsellor. Um, I would say journaling really helps. Um, so writing things down or even just jotting things down, if it doesn't have to be full sentences is really helpful um and then I would say I don't know do something for yourself and I think when you are focusing on yourself you have no time to focus on what other people are doing um <laughs> <laughs> definitely that one <laughs> so yeah really just find even if it's one thing that you can do that just it gives you joy because you need to stay in that positive um mind frame and that can only come by you doing it consistently so um I don't know if you know the word or the phrase um toxic positivity mm -hmm. which will mean different things to different people but to me it's less about me telling people just just think happy thoughts you know just don't worry about it it will be okay I don't believe that helps I think you have to really look at the issue and understand what it is in order for you to change it and move forward. People say don't live in the past, but if you don't look at the past, how are you going to learn the lessons to stay away from that in the future? So that's what I always try to, for myself, um, I've been able to really look at certain situations that have happened throughout my childhood and pinpoint how it's affected me in my adult life um, and I can't change those things that have happened, but it, get, it helps me to understand like maybe why I reacted in a certain way or maybe why I let someone come into my life and, you know, let them stay around for so long. Um, and it has really helped me in how I connect with people today. It's completely different. Um, the people that I have in my life around me are just, they're helpful people. They want to be around me, which is something I've not always had. Um, and I've had one person, I actually met her face to face for the first time this week. Um, and we've known each other for two years, but she's just been an amazing support for me. And yeah, she, I've met her, it's like I've known her my whole life. It was yeah. just a natural, a natural flow. And that for me, I've started to see like, with traveling, I've connected with families, like on the airplane home, you know, swapping details with people that for me would not have been me about four years ago I would probably say hello 
or if my child would say hello to someone I'd be like come on let's go. don't bother the nice people let's go <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm having full-blown conversations and swapping traveling stories and it's definitely it's brought me out of my shell because that is something that I love doing like I had to face a lot of fears in order to be able to do something that I loved um and the traveling has it's just been there so obviously it's now our little thing that we do um it's part of my son's education and people are always like you never stay still and it's like well no like it's it's something that we love doing and we learn something in every place that we go um and the most recent journey has just it's shown me so much about myself and just how much I have changed just by getting on a plane yeah and when you when you stay put, you can't grow the way that you might be intended to. Like, I was literally just having this conversation with my little sister. We're ten years apart, and I was just telling her, like, if you surround yourself with the same kind same kind of people all the time, you're never going to learn anything. Same thing with you staying in the same place your whole life. Like, I uprooted myself, moved to another state, and I've never moved back since. Well, I did temporarily, but like. I knew in high school, I told everyone I'm moving away and I'm never coming back. And they all thought I was crazy. I was serious. <laughs> and um, I was just going to say the other thing too, is like when you're talking about taking accountability for like just realizing what's happened and owning it and just being okay with it as a part of your identity gives you so much power in your healing that you can actually start attracting people who are going to help you continue on this journey. And the journey that you're on right now is bringing you so much joy and peace compared to what you have always known. Like, it's hard to trade anything else for the world. And it's like crazy to think back to what you were before you started like really looking at yourself and you're like, wow, just nuts. (laughs) It's definitely, I think um, sometimes you can get such like a, there's a bad connotation connected to like getting help mm-hmm. um and I think that can hold so many people back like they they want to do something and they know something doesn't feel right but then they're scared they're scared to ask for help because of what might come with that the judgment um someone not understanding and I think that for me was really important to to create that space for others so that they understand that I'm not just being a coach because I want to be a coach like I've I've been there I know what it feels like and it's it's still very much a part of my life you know my children or my daughter has connections to my mum she went to go and see her not that long ago but I feel comfortable and confident in myself and with um, the amount of healing that I've done that that doesn't bother me that my relationship with my daughter is stable enough for her to also have contact with my mum and it's not regular because she doesn't want she also doesn't want to be around that she's aware of my mum's behavior Mm -hmm. and it's not because I've had to tell her that grandma does this or grandma does that she's seen it and I've been open with how I deal with things um and I also want her to understand her own emotions and how she deals with things so I think by me learning that I'm teaching my children emotional resilience and then I am, I'm actually quite confident enough that when I am, because I, I don't think it will be forever. I do think I will, you know, possibly have my mum in my life again. But right now at the moment, 
I know I'm not ready for that. Um, so yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep working on myself. And I think when I get to that place, I'll, I'll know. But yeah, I think creating a space where people can be heard and can be seen and they don't have to worry about being judged was really important for me. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. Like oh, you. literally, I think what like what how everything you've overcome and just like where you are, especially with your daughter now and like even just being able to change your parenting style and just coming out of your own comfort zone, like the work you do is not easy. Like talking about these things, talking about yourself and what you've learned, like it's not, they're never moments that we're really proud of, but they've happened. Like you said, we can't change our past and they make us who we are today. And we're just trying to help other people. So overall, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Definitely. So I am, I feel one where, where I need to be. I feel I'm in the right place right now. And I continue to work on myself every day. I think that's really important as well for people to understand that um, that healing should it should be a continual journey. There's always something that we can work on. Like it doesn't always have to be from our past or from our childhoods. But it's like once you've you've healed that enough, it shouldn't affect how you respond to things today. And for me, I think that's the the deciding factor that when you can leave something alone is that it no longer has an effect on how you deal with things or how you respond to things. But we're humans and, you know, life happens and um, it's about taking those lessons and using them to help you just like have a better future. So, you yeah. speak is like, literally, I just want to clap the whole time. <laughs> If I, I feel like my listeners probably are noting me sometimes because I'm like in my interviews, like, yes, yes. <laughs> and I drank two cups of chai tea before this. So I'm like kind of zinged up. <laughs> <laughs> but Leanne, I'm so grateful for you. Like there's so much wisdom just in our conversation today. Like I'd love to have you back. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you feel like burning desire to touch base on before we conclude. Um, not really. I just I think that um, the one thing that I would say is just that if anyone has um, or any of your listeners have experienced that with their mum, the one thing I didn't mention is that actually I do think it's very different because you mentioned partners and narcissistic parents. I personally think there is a difference because um, this person has birthed you, or even if it's not um, your birth mother, it could be um, your mother figure in your life. Like they're supposed to be your caregiver um, to kind of help raise and guide you and kind of lead you into the world to be a, you know, a healthy adult. And when that doesn't happen and it leaves that gap, um, you then crave it from other places and that's how you can then attract narcissistic partners um, and friendships as well who just kind of replicate that um, so I think if anyone has had kind of either abuse from their mom or just a really negative toxic childhood ask for help like reach out send a message um, I'm always happy to speak to people I give free consultations um, they're called them breakthrough calls 
So I think it's really important to have that space to kind of talk about how you're feeling and how it's affecting you. Um, and so to be able to do that, I do that for free. Everyone gets 30 minutes free with me um, just to see where they are and how they might want to heal themselves. So um, anyone is welcome to contact me on Facebook or Instagram and it's at D-O-N-M, I survived. So um, yeah, just reach out and I think anyone should just get help. Yes, I agree. And I'm so grateful to have you, whether you're in UK, London, where did you just say you were working before here? You're in Mexico right now. And before that, you were in Egypt. Like, whatever, wherever you are, um, contact me or we will um, push you over towards Leanne so you can get in touch with her wherever she may be. We will find her. And thank you so much again for coming on Sierra Unraveled. Well, there you have it. Leanne Evans, life coach, mother, and surviving just like the rest of us. She should inspire us all to put ourselves first and know that it's all going to be okay. Even if it's scary or unknown, we can do it. Oh yeah, and uh, just wanted to remind you, if you haven't left a review or given my show a rating, please do so. And don't forget to share with your friends um, who might need to hear this as well. And as always, until next time, stop letting them unravel you because only you can unravel yourself.